Welcome to the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. This show is dedicated to helping you manage your money better, invest wisely, retire early, and grow your wealth for you and your family and live your best life. My name is Tony Thomas, Charter Financial Planner, Pension Specialist, and Money Coach. I've advised thousands of people over the last 30 years. I'm going to share with you real life stories and everything that you need to know to build a financially secure future and a great lifestyle. If you enjoy the podcast, then feel free to subscribe and leave a review. Now let's dive into today's episode on the Tory Talks Wealth Podcast. Diversified Investment Portfolios. That's the subject we are going to cover today. In this episode, we are going to look at why you should spread your savings and investments and create a diversified portfolio. When trying to navigate the ups and downs of the market returns, investors seem to naturally want to jump in at the lows and cash out at the highs. But no one can predict when those will occur. So by maintaining proper diversification and avoiding the pitfalls of market timing, you will have the foundation needed to help manage your overall exposure to market volatility. And historically, the stock market has been up more than it has been down. So if we could see into the future, there would be no need to diversify our investments. We could simply choose a date where we need our money back. Then select the investment that would provide the highest return to that date. It might be a company share or a bond or gold or any other kind of asset. The problem is that none of us have that gift of foresight. So let's consider a few of the areas that you should be aware of. The first being combining a number of different investments. Diversification helps to address this uncertainty by combining a number of different investments. In order to maximise the performance potential of a diversified portfolio, Managers actively change the mix of assets they hold to reflect the prevailing market conditions. These changes can be made at a number of levels, including the overall asset mix, the target markets within each asset class, and the risk profile of underlying funds within the markets. As a rule, an environment of positive or recovering economic growth and healthy risk appetite would be likely to prompt an increased weighting in equities and a lower exposure to bonds. Within these baskets of assets, the manager might also move into more aggressive portfolios when markets are doing well and more cautious ones when conditions are more difficult. Next, defensive positioning when risk appetite is low. Geographical factors such as local economic growth, interest rates and the political background will also affect the weighting between markets within equities and bonds. In the underlying name portfolios, managers will normally adopt a more defensive positioning when risk appetite is low. For example, in equities, they might have higher weightings in large companies, operating in parts of the market that are less reliant on robust economic growth. Conversely, when risk appetite is abundant, underlying name portfolios will tend to raise their exposure to more economically sensitive parts of the market and to smaller companies. Next. Asset allocation. The term asset allocation simply means deciding how to spread your money across the different asset classes. And that will include equities, bonds, property and cash and many others. And how much you need to hold in each of those asset classes. 
your overall asset allocation needs to reflect your future capital or income needs and the timescales before those capital sums are required or the level of income sought and the amount of risk that you can tolerate because investing is all about risk and return. Not only does asset allocation naturally spread risk, but it can also help you to boost your returns while maintaining or even lowering the level of risk of your portfolio. Most rational investors would prefer to maximise their returns, but every investor has their own individual attitude to risk, and we've covered this topic many times in the past. Next point, investment characteristics. Portfolios can incorporate a wide range of different assets, all of which have their own characteristics, like cash, bonds, equities, and property. The idea behind allocating your money among different assets is to spread risk through diversification and to understand these characteristics and their implications on how a portfolio will perform in different market conditions. The idea of not putting all of your eggs in one basket is the the phrase that comes to mind. Investing can go down as well as up, and these ups and downs can depend on assets you're invested in and how the markets are performing. It's a natural part of investing. So if you don't want to suffer the ups and downs of the market, then don't invest. Next point, changing risk tolerance. Moreover, the potential returns available from different kinds of investment and the risk involved change over time as a result of economic, political and regulatory developments, as well as a host of other factors. Your risk tolerance will change over time. For example, investors in their 20s may not be too worried about a 30% fall in the market, reasoning that they have time to ride it out whilst investors in their 40s have more responsibilities such as a mortgage and a family may want to focus more on protecting against this kind of loss. Next issue is asset classes. When putting together a portfolio, there are a number of asset classes or types of investments that can be combined in different ways. The starting point is cash, and the aim of employing the other asset classes is to achieve a better return and could be achieved by leaving all of the investments on deposits. So let's look at cash. The most common types of cash investments are bank and building society savings accounts and money market funds. And these are investment vehicles which invest in securities such as short-term bonds to enable institutions and larger personal investors to invest cash for the short term. Money held in the bank is arguably more secure than any other asset classes but it is also likely to provide the poorest return over the long term. But it's important to be able to pay unexpected expenses or to deal with an unexpected loss of income without tapping into your core portfolio, especially when markets are low. There's no sure way to protect your money from the effects of inflation. The only rule is that cash savings are generally the worst place to put your money long term. The interest is almost always lower than inflation, So you are always going to be constantly losing money. Next is bonds. Bonds effectively are IOUs, issued by governments or companies. In return for your initial investment, the issuer pays a pre-agreed regular return, which is known as the coupon, for a fixed term. And at the end of that term, agrees to return your initial investment. 
So depending on the financial strength of the issuer, bonds can be very low or relatively high risk, and the level of interest paid varies accordingly, with higher risk issuers needing to offer more attractive coupons to attract investment. And as long as the insurer is still solvent at the time that the bond matures, investors get back the initial value of the bond. However, during the life of the bond, its price will fluctuate to take account of a number of factors. And they include interest rates, as cash is an alternative low-risk investment, the value of government bonds is in particular affected by changes in interest rates. So rising base rates will tend to lead to lower government bond prices and vice versa. Then there's inflation expectations. The coupons paid by the majority of bonds do not change over time. Therefore, high inflation reduces the real value of future coupon payments, making bonds less attractive and driving their prices lower. There's also credit quality. The ability of the issuer to pay regular coupons and redeem the bonds opportunity is a key consideration for bond investors. Higher risk bonds, such as corporate bonds, are susceptible to changes in the perceived credit worthiness of the issuer. Now let's consider equities. Equities or shares in companies are regarded as riskier investment than bonds, but they also tend to produce superior returns over the long term. They are riskier because in the event of a company getting into financial difficulty, bondholders rank ahead of equity holders when the remaining cash is distributed. However, their superior long-term returns come from the fact that, unlike a bond, which matures at the same price at which it was issued, share prices can rise dramatically as a company grows. Returns from equities are made up of changes in the share price and, in some cases, dividends by the company to the investors. So let's look at why share prices fluctuate constantly as a result of factors such as company profits being the first one. By buying shares, you are effectively investing in the future profitability of a company. So the operating outlook for the business is of paramount importance. Higher profits are likely to lead to higher share prices and or increased dividends. Whereas sustained losses could place a dividend or even the long-term viability of the business in jeopardy. Then there's economic background. Companies perform best in an environment of healthy economic growth. Modest inflation and low interest rates. A poor outlook for growth could suggest waning demand for the company's products or services. High inflation could impact companies in the form of increased input prices. Although in some cases, companies may be able to pass this on to the consumers, rising interest rates could put a strain on companies that have borrowed heavily to grow the business. So bear that in mind with the whole engine your portfolio. Then there's investor sentiment. As higher risk assets, equities are susceptible to changes in investor sentiment. Deterioration in risk appetite normally sees share prices fall, while a turn to positive sentiment can see equity markets rise sharply. And we see that time and time again. Another asset class is property. In investment terms, property normally means commercial real estate which includes offices, warehouses, retail units, and the like. So unlike the assets we have mentioned so far, properties are unique. Only one fund can own a particular office, building, or shop. 
The performance of these assets can sometimes be dominated by changes in capital values. These unusually dramatic moves in capital value illustrate another of property's key characteristics, namely its relative illiquity compared to equities or bonds. Buying equities or bonds is normally a relatively quick and inexpensive process, but property investing involves considerable valuation and legal involvement. The more normal state of affairs is for rental income to be the main driver of commercial property returns. Owners of property can enhance the income potential and capital value of their assets by undertaking refurbishment work or other improvements. Indeed, without such work, property can quickly become uncompetitive and run down. And we see that in the high street, for example. So when managed properly, the relatively stable nature of property's income return is key to its appeal for investors. In summary, having the right asset allocation mix is absolutely vital to have a robust, diversified investment portfolio that will meet your needs and objectives and is in line with your attitude to risk. So let's end this episode by saying that we all have different goals depending on what life stages that we are at. Our goals can be broadly categorised into essential needs, lifestyle wants and legacy aspirations. So getting investment advice can be one of the most beneficial things that you can do for your personal finances and long-term financial well-being. And many people will be happy to do this for themselves. But for those of you that don't and you want help to identify which investment options are right for you and your individual circumstances, then feel free to get in touch. That's it for this week. I hope you found this topic helpful. And as always, leave comments on the topics that you want covered next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find links to everything that we've discussed in the show notes. And if you'd like to know more about what I do or see more great money tips to build a secure and a happy lifestyle, then you can find all of these on my website, ttwealth.co.uk on my YouTube channel, TTWealth. If you want to work with me, then why not book a free 30-minute call to find out how. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I also produce a bi-monthly newsletter, TTWealth News, which contains practical money tips that is free for you to download from my website. And if you're enjoying this podcast, don't hesitate to leave a review. Of course, the more stars, the better. And equally, sharing is caring. So if you've heard something that you've enjoyed and you think will benefit someone you know, then please do share with them. I'm sure they will appreciate it. So it's goodbye until next time. And remember, live for today, invest for tomorrow.